0: You are now tuned into to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast, and it's a sad day for the Miami Hurricane fan base because they suffered one of their worst losses in its history, losing to Middle Tennessee State 45-31. to uh, I just want to say, Frank, at first, it was just shock for me. It was just, like, I don't think anybody was really expecting to lose the game uh, against Middle Tennessee. I was maybe expecting, like, a scare of some sort. I mean, there were 25, 26-point favorites in this game. They should have dominated this game. I mean, just to see the Hurricanes not come in there focused and for – Players like Jalen Rivers and Ja'Kai Clark after the game to just openly say that this that they weren't mentally prepared for this game was really kind of troubling. And then also Crystal Ball's postgame comments talking about Tyler Van Dyke's scheme not being, oh, well, um, I'm sorry, uh, Josh Gattis' offensive scheme not being right for Tyler Van Dyke was also very troubling to hear. Um, so many different things went wrong in this game, but, uh, what, what's, what's your thoughts before we dive in any any, any deeper, your first uh, initial thoughts of what happened here?
1: I don't, I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate, right? Because I think we have a lot of the right coaches in place currently. I don't think Josh Gaddis is necessarily an issue right now because you saw Garcia jump in and immediately take us down on a scoring drive. And, there were opportunities for them to get in the box continuously in the second half when Garcia was in the game. So I really think this was on, it was a testament to the failures in the recruiting over the last four years. You just didn't have, you don't have the guys on the outside receiver to really give you a chance to win right now. Uh, You know, the depth at running back is definitely an issue currently with, you know, the injuries that are currently in place Offensive line wise, I kind of question why Zion wasn't playing in that game. Right, if he was healthy enough, uh, you know, to play uh, against Texas A&M, he should have been healthy enough to play in this game. Um, and, and, and it's and it's a little troubling that our guys continuously get hurt. Right, it's it's a continuous thing. Right, Jacoby George this week. I know it's a broken bone, but still, it's we're, we're seeing so many injuries, and I don't know if it's a snake bitten team or if it's just the The training staff and the strength and conditioning program is just not up to par to what it needs to be for this team to be as physical as it wants to be. So there's there's a few things that are really alarming for me, and I think there's definitely a quarterback controversy at hand at the moment.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, there's definitely a quarterback controversy for sure. The fact that your starting superstar quarterback is supposed to, you know, you know, set the world on fire this year, and then he. You know uh lays an egg yesterday it this this performance yesterday was 10 times worse than the one against texas a and i was you know attributing his performance uh the pre in the previous week to you know the drops um maybe the environment um you know and just just kind of black execution in the red zone that i thought could be fixed this one here, he was just missing a bunch of throws, easy throws, layup type of throws, Frank. Like, yo, this is supposed to be TVD, the guy, like third quarterback taken in the in the draft, TVD. And we didn't see that, and we're not seeing that. And Coach Cristobal said that, you know, this scheme doesn't, doesn't work for him. But, you know, to, to say something like that about your quarterback really means – he's not that good because the great ones kind of adapt, you know, to different schemes. Um, There's different quarterbacks over the years that had different offensive coordinators. Aaron Rodgers is one of them. I mean, he, he had, I don't know how many different offensive coordinators throughout his career, but he's still able to perform. So it's, it's, it's really troubling to see that about Tyler Van Dyke. I, I really think there's something kind of, mentally going on with him, because for him to have such a drastic drop in in a, a year, I guess you could say, after he was setting the world on fire, yes, it was in a different uh, offensive scheme last year with Rhett Lashley, which was more of the scheme that we saw uh, um, with Middle Tennessee State. It was kind of that type of scheme that we saw against us. My question is is it is it really the scheme like is is it Tyler Van Dyke or or is Jake Garcia just better um I mean there's just so many questions that are going to come up in this bye week that we go into this week it's it's kind of perfect that we do go into a bye week because this team needs to reset it needs to recharge its batteries it needs to find mm-hmm. its identity and I think there will be an open QB competition. That would be the logical thing to do, I think, to really see who is, is, is fit to kind of take over this offense. Because I think Tyler Van Dyke was just kind of crowned as the guy to, to uh, take over this offense. I don't think there was really truly a quarterback competition in fall camp. But I think this is an, a perfect opportunity to have that true competition to really prove uh, which quarterback needs to start. Because at every other position, it seems like it's it's open season or it's up for grabs, except for quarterback. But <laughs> I think that's going to change. But uh, who, do, who do you think ends up starting against North Carolina?
1: It'll probably be Tyler Van Dyke, honestly. I, I think that he's going to be on a short rope. Right. You know, short leash. Uh, I I really do think the problems lie in Tyler Van Dyke's hands. You know, you see a lot of fans right now talking about the scheme doesn't work. Bring Lashley back. We fail to remember that the offense failed to work against the likes of Florida State. Right. It wasn't exactly 40 points per game, 50 points per game uh, all season last year. We threw the ball a lot and there were really nice passing numbers, but we were one of the worst rushing teams in the country so all the ineptitudes of, of the previous scheme we seem to forget based on Tyler van dyke's performance to start this year is this all on scheme no he's missing throws he's missing throws i went back to watch a lot of the game last night with some high school coaches and they would call a cover two beater on offense and he's thrown it right into the zone right <laughs> he's, he's not he's not hit he, he it seems like he kind of lacks football acumen he lacks the ability to make his reads properly. Somebody said it yesterday, and I think it's 100% true. He decided on Wednesday that Frank Ladson was going to be his new Xavier Restrepo.
0: <laughs>
1: he decided yeah. on Wednesday that Frank Ladson was going to be the guy he threw to the entire game. No matter if he was open, no matter if he was, if he was completely covered by two guys, he was throwing it at him. You know, there was, there was no – there was no disbursement of the football, and you. Saw, I think that was one of the big differences when Garcia came into the game, that there wasn't just one guy that he locked on, and that's why you saw Ladson in the second half have just one catch, right? Because Ladson was having a good game overall. I don't think he was an issue, right? But he's not some overwhelming talent to where he should be completely taking over the offense, right? We've seen him not live up to the billing through the first couple of games of the year as well. So it's unfortunate to see the demise of a kid. And I think the one thing that I can criticize the staff on yesterday was that they didn't take out Van Dyke early enough. And I think we could see a broken player going forward to that. I think after Texas A&M, he was already having some issues. You saw a different type of player uh, even heading into this game in press conferences, his body language, the way he was talking. Yeah. it wasn't the same Tyler van Dyke that we spoke to just a month ago right and I think that they could have saved him a little bit and I think that there could have been some development in, in Van Dyke because he has the arm talent he, he he's still that prototypical NFL type quarterback that you would you'd love to have he's able to make 70 yard throws on the on his back foot you know like he's just that type of kid uh but just the, the ability to play within what is the most pro style offense we've had in a long time. Right. It's something that is a spread scheme. This is not an I formation offense. This is not an ACE package offense. This is, you know, they do run two, two tight ends out there, but that's out a necessity out of talent. They just don't have the kids out there right now. And it's unfortunate to see a kid just fall flat on his face when there was so much hope.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, it's 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 baffling to to really kind of see his progression uh through this season it, it's been it's been a situation that is 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 just kind of really unfortunate but even Jake Garcia didn't really execute sometimes in this game i do want to point out I mean the turning point in this game for me is when they drew up a play to To Will Mallory on fourth down and one, and they could not execute. And on the next play, Middle Tennessee goes for 98 yards for a touchdown. I think that was pretty much kind of the turning point in the game, and that was with Jake Garcia at quarterback. Although he, you know, it was more of a kind of, uh, 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 you know, it, it 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 was really a play where it didn't seem like he had. A lot of different options. It seems like Will Mallory was the option locked in on that, and and that didn't work. So I kind of put that on Gaddis as, as far as drawing up that particular play. But um, Jake Garcia, you know, I don't think is the absolute solution uh, to this to this uh, you know problem on offense that we have. Yeah, he looked a little bit more comfortable in this game. He seemed, of course, mentally ready to kind of jump in and, and step in and produce. Uh obviously he was juiced up and excited to to produce, but to say that he's gonna be the guy on consistent week to week basis and, and kind of turn this offensive around offense around, I don't think is is realistic to really kind of think. And it's gonna it's it's gonna be just just a season of of learning now uh, for for everyone, I feel now with with, with this loss. I mean, the, like look, this is a learning moment for or a teachable moment for for this defense, teachable moment for this offense, uh, offensive play calling with Josh Gaddis. I think uh, you know the quarterbacks are going to learn from this game, and uh, the, it, it was just a di- disappointing loss overall. But um there certainly will be a QB controversy. There's sure, sure certainly gonna be a lot of fodder and, and content for us to kind of produce on this for for the next couple of weeks because they need answers. Miami needs answers. This is this is supposed to be different, right? Right. This was supposed to be different. Like if if you told me that Manny Diaz was coaching this game. I would have been like, okay, well, that's what have probably happened if Manny Diaz was coaching because we've seen these type of games in the past from Manny Diaz and other coaches. So now with Coach Cristobal and this, you know, supposed to be elite coaching staff, to allow something like this to happen, I kind of put this game on the coaches. I really do put this game on the coaches to not get – to not – have these kids ready to play because if these co if these kids openly said in a press conference that we weren't focused for this game we took this team lightly that type of you know rhetoric then that falls on the coaches right i in
1: a way yes right the the mentality going into the game on the coaches, the preparation, mental preparation—that's something mm-hmm. that Cristobal preaches constantly. How we do anything is how we do everything. So, yeah, part of it is on, but that's also part part on the kids. Man, they got to go out and play, right? At the end of the day, the coaches can put you in a position. The coaches can coach kids, can talk, they can motivate you, but you got to be self motivated. And right now, it just just doesn't feel like we got the dogs in the building. You got a few, right? It's a sprinkle of kids, but overall you got a lot of kids that just lay down. you got a lot of kids just lay down, man, and it's unfortunate to see. My biggest thing is going forward, I think the biggest change in recruiting that needs to happen is at the quarterback position, right? Jaden Rashad is an incredible talent, right? Emery Williams, we, we, we've seen the potential of his arm talent. But at Miami, when was the last time we had a quarterback that can actually threaten a defense with his legs? It, it, it's, it's, it's been like 30 years since we've had a quarterback I mean, that, can,
0: that, that can threaten threaten a team with their legs. legs. You could say Malik Rogier was one of them. I mean, that was really kind of his threat was his running ability.
1: And he wasn't like a true, true threat as, a, as an athlete. Like, he was a tough kid, right? Like, he could run a little bit. But I'm talking about, like, if you look at a lot of the top teams in the country right now, they got somebody that you have to account for 11 players in the field. You have to account for eleven players in the field at all times, and everybody is just accounting for ten when Tyler Van Dyke is on the field. Same thing with Jake Garcia, and he's got a little bit of moxie, Garcia. He's got a little bit of a wiggle. He's going to make some things happen. Make maybe make one guy miss, right? But he's not a dual threat. He's not a dual threat by any stretch of
0: the imagination. And I don't so think we think think Miami should, should switch over to a dual threat.
1: We've we've been we've been we've we have. That's the one thing that we have not integrated to the modern day of college football is that we haven't had somebody that can, that can, that has to be accounted for in the run game. When was the last time we run a successful read option based offense, which is what every offense is based around. Now the RPO is only as successful as your quarterback's athletic ability. In my opinion, it's the
0: third read in the offense. Like I'm saying, like I said, it was Malik Rozier. I know you, you maybe don't remember, but like he was the guy to run. a I successful RBO. I'm saying,
1: I'm saying, like Ja'Kuri Brown with a little bit more arm talent. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. when are we gonna have one of I those? Mean, speaking kids? of him, we have him. He's on the roster. Yeah. yeah why a- not <laughs> test it out? Why not <laughs> like let the kid let Booby spin a little bit? You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like the kid. You know, it, uh, listen. If this is gonna be a learning year. If this is not a year where you're going to win an ACC championship, see what you got on the roster. Leave no stone unturned. Where is Isaiah Dunson, right? Where where are where is where is Brian Ballum, right? Where Isaiah are, huh? Where's Isaiah Horton. Isaiah Horton. Yeah, Isaiah Horton. That's what I mean. And and then oh okay, yeah. And then you got Dunson at corner, right? Like you got yeah, yeah. kids. You got kids that you leave no stone unturned, right? Let these kids play, right? It, it's. Because the other guys aren't doing anything to where you're like that kid should not be on the field. Wesley B Saint, I don't care if Wesley B Saint is messing up in practice a little bit. I don't care if that he hasn't learned the scheme to the point where Caleb, I mean uh, Corey Flagg has, or Caleb Johnson, both the best player on the field. He's got the talent to do it. Let the kid play. Sometimes guys are game day players. Sometimes guys aren't. Leonard Taylor is right? Not everybody's a practice field superstar. You're right. You're not like, I understand the method of you got to win football games on green tree before you win them on hard rock state at Hard rock state, right? That's a hundred percent true. But at the same time, there are football players and then there are practice players. Wesley Bassant is a football player. We've seen what he is capable of doing at the linebacker position An 89 yard touchdown on -on one-on-one coverage on Corey flag is on Corey flag that ain't on the scheme that's on Corey flag and his ineptitude to be able to cover somebody in space. He can't do it. If it's anything outside the tackle box, if it's anything outside of a a five yard throw, he can't live up to the billing. I, I don't care if he led the team in tackles. I don't care if he does everything right. He, you, sometimes you have to have guys that make plays. Jube Joseph, the head coach for Miami Central, said something perfect about his own team and I think it spills to the Miami Hurricanes. If I have a senior that is just doing his job, I'm going to play the freshman that I can break his like that has no bad habits. I'm going to put the kid out there that I can mold in a position to make plays. Right now you got to mold like the whole big thing with Mario was recruiting, right? Yeah. You went and stole a bunch of kids at the end of that at the end of that cycle
0: use the kids use the kids what speaking are you waiting of, speaking of one of them why did we not see Jaleel Skinner in this game until the very end there was all this talk about Jaleel Skinner being in this game he's definitely one of those kids that you say that Miami stole last minute from Alabama of all places and you don't utilize him and I just want to point out that this is something that like everybody I talked to says the same thing. So I don't understand why he's not utilized more is Elijah Arroyo. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why Elijah Arroyo is not getting more catches. He's the clearly the most complete tight end on this roster. And we continue to see Will Mallory drop balls in critical situations. And we, we saw that again yesterday and then, now, it's like I just don't understand why Will Mallory, and Jaleel Skinner are not getting more more touches.
1: It's super frustrating, super frustrating to see, man. It's and you got guys that are that are that are busting their butt for this program right now. Henry Parrish loses a lung early in that game on the first touchdown. That kid is he is doing everything he can to make it so that Miami competitive and you need more kids like that in the program. You need more Xavier Restrepo's. And I think that's my biggest issue right now is you have some more kids like that, that are currently in the building and you're not utilizing them a hundred percent. I'm on that Elijah Arroyo train with you. Even if you wanted to use Mallory still, why is Elijah Arroyo still not getting more, more targets than the likes of Michael Redding, right? It, it's, yeah. it's, baffling to me, right? We talked about it against Texas A after the Texas AM game. He had three targets, but he had the biggest play of the game. In the game. And, yep. and we still are throwing the ball seven and eight times to Michael Redding and Keyshawn Smith. We know what they can do. They are who we thought they were. They are they're doing exactly what they supposed to do. They didn't live they were not what we thought they were, right? The IMG receivers since they've come to Miami, we have not got the elite ones Right, this is not Ja'Cory Brooks that we were supposed to get from IMG. That, that's not what this is, right? Michael Redding is a hard worker. He's going to be in the right spot. He's not a playmaker. He's going to be a guy that you hope to be your third or fourth option on a really good team. Yeah. And you know, Frank Ladson, gotta love me. He's a South Florida kid. I think he had a you know, a return to form type game uh, early on. Uh, and I think I think he's going to be a contributor throughout the year. He's probably going to have to come back next season. It's not going to be, you know, a situation where he goes to the NFL. He's just not there. But, man, man, the the lack of attention to Elijah Royal, I don't know if it's that he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, in the blocking scheme, or something like that. But again, sometimes when you have guys that can make plays, you have to let them make plays. Give him a chance. He's explosive. The, how about the one catch that he had? He 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 looked like he was going to make something happen. He as a tight end, right? It, it, it's that's a ma- that's a that's a matchup nightmare for defensive coordinators, especially with his ability to take it up the seam. We saw him on a wheel route take. Texas A&M, almost thirty yards. He looks explosive. He makes plays. Let him make plays.
0: Yeah, man, it's 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 really crazy and frustrating that that, that we kind of uh, are are saying this week after week, um, and it's 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 baffling that that the coaches haven't really figured out that Elijah Arroyo. Uh, needs to be more involved in this offense, especially with your lack of production and your injury woes that you've, that you've experienced. It's, it's, it, 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 the next game is due for a massive um, upgrade in, in production. Uh, I, I We need to see something different from, from this offense. I mean, because hurricanes fans are already calling for Josh Gaddis's head, you know, and you know you, you see how hurricanes fans are during the game they were booing i i think after the second series you know um and you know and then chanting garcia's name after that but if, once garcia starts messing up they're going to be booing him as well so this this uh fan base has has no chill has has no patience and something has to happen uh where we see a little bit more creativity. We see some guys that need to be more involved in the offense because guess what? We're going into ACC play where it really counts and where it really matters. Uh, I would say the best thing about these two games that Miami has lost is the fact that they were non-conference opponents and they're still zero and zero in the conference. So with all this you know negativity about the team they're still in a place where they could still win the coastal and turn this thing around and it's great actually that they have a bye week to really kind of refocus and really get this thing turned around because north carolina can score they may not be able to stop teams uh, from scoring but it, that that in itself gives you an opportunity to really kind of be creative with the offense, because you are going to have your opportunities against North Carolina. Now let's flip this to the defensive side of the ball, though, Frank. They give up forty-five points to Middle Tennessee State. I mean, well, not not forty-five because one of them was a pick-six. So they 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 give up thirty-one points to. I'm sorry, is that right? No, thirty-eight. Thirty-eight points. 38 points. Math was not my best, you know, subject, obviously. (laughs) 38 points to a Middle Tennessee State team after coming off a game where you gave up 17 points uh, to Texas A&M. And one of them was just, you know, basically because of a turnover deep into Miami Territory so the obvious for me when people ask me what happened because you know pe- that's what people do right people just ask you you know because they feel like you're a football expert frank what happened in the game oh uh, for me but before you answer for me when people ask me what happened they got blurred four times they got bombed four times like Big bombs, ninety-eight yards, seventy-two yards, sixty-nine yards. Like what? That's supposed. To, we're supposed to be doing that to them. We're Miami, you know. <laughs> like we're we're kind of king of that or created that, you know. Taking uh, taking you know um, opponents deep and and we didn't have any deep shots until when Jay Garcia gets in the game and we finally take some deep shots and connect with Keyshawn Smith on one of them. I just don't understand how you get beat four times. Like yeah, when, when they turn the ball over on fourth down, the first thing I said to everybody in the press box with me, I was like, watch out for the deep ball. And the first play, what do they do? They go deep and they hit a 98-yard touchdown. I, You know, your point about, execution and it's on the kids that's on the kids you know because i mean we've all played football before you know you can't get beat deep (laughs) you know like you can't you can't get beat deep on these on these uh basically one-on-one matchups or um i know the one play the first one i believe they were playing zone and then nobody came over to cover the deep man. It, it was uh it was just really disappointing to see them give up big play after big play after big play after big play. I understand one, maybe two, but after that, you're like, okay, well, they got some guys that can take us deep, and you need to be conscious of that. But then for them for for Miami to have players like DJ Ivy and Tyreek Stevenson and James Williams and Cameron Kitchens. And these are highly recruited guys out of high school for them to get beat on, on deep balls like that is just embarrassing, man. It, it, it was just embarrassing to watch. And to me, you know, it's, it's, it's not, and they were good throws. Uh, they were good throws. They were on the money, but, Come on, yo! I I just don't understand like how you continuously get beat deep by Middle Tennessee State. That was the that was probably the most heartbreaking thing for me watching this game. The fact that that these DBs would would get beat happy four times, and um and then they all led to all of to touchdowns.
1: Yeah, that's it. I agree with you. It's completely on the kids and. I don't think that the talent is there defensive back wise currently. Outside of maybe Cameron Kitchens, you got miscommunications with the defensive backs because that's not on the coach either. That's on the kids not knowing what's going on, knowing what the call is, knowing what the check is, knowing what knowing what is happening on the field right now.
0: Oh, wait, 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 let me just interrupt you. The fact that these kids don't know isn't that somewhat on the coach? To, is to- it? Is it? To- is well, it on
1: the kids? Is it on the kit? Because the coach can only prepare the players so much, right? Because we saw how good the scheme looked against a team like Texas A&M. We've seen it look pretty good through the first two weeks. Granted, there was there was some misplays in the first game against Bethune cookman where I don't think it was on scheme. I think, once again, it was just on players getting blurred by lesser talented kids, right? Tyreek Stevenson was a freshman starter at Georgia. He was a blue-chip prospect. Why is he getting beat by guys that we don't even know the names of? Right. DJ Ivy, you just had a great game against extremely talented players at Texas A&M. Why are you getting beat by guys we've never heard of from Middle Tennessee State? Why is that happening? TC, to Corey Couch, why are you in miscommunications and coverage? That is supposed to be your MO. You're in the small nickel corner. Everybody, you should be the echo of the defensive backfield. Yeah. James Williams, if you are truly a safety, you have to be able to live up in coverage. Yeah. It can't be the Cam Kinchin show all the time. He can only make so many plays. Yeah. But right now, these kids are not living up to what their recruiting status was. And I think that they're just kind of taking the opportunity for granted. There has to be a sense of urgency with the kids, and there's just not that right now. The players in the field aren't the quality of what Mario Cristobal wants, and, and you hear rumors of, of the coaching staff telling people that this is not going to be a, a quick, quick turnaround. This is going to be this is going to take a while, and you see that becoming true. You see that becoming true. They what they are trying to do with this program doesn't fit the people in the program right now. It, it just isn't. You still have a culture issue that stems from Mario. I mean, it stems from, stems from Manny Diaz. You, yeah. still have, you still have a sense of the kids trying to do whatever they want, which is something that obviously stems from Manny Diaz, right? And and, and you can see Mario get frustrated at, in a lot of different ways. Like what we talk about in the press conference, every time we ask him a question about how practice went, you can tell he's not happy with the way practice is going. We continuously hear talking about we need to have better practice habits we need to have better mental uh, moments we need to be doing things right all the time he, he echoes the sentiment with his famous saying how we do anything is how we do everything and, and these kids kind of have to start to get pushed out in a way right he, he, he has to be able to and the, and the problem is he can only bring in 25 guys in at a time <laughs> right yeah. so he's going to live on the transfer portal in a lot of different ways I think next year. We're going to see yeah. some guys lose their spots that were starters this year just because the mentality isn't there. You could be talented but you're, if you're if you are not of a Mario Cristobal thought process then you are not a Miami Hurricane in this day and age. It's just a different program at the moment and I think it's a clash of clash of new versus old. That, that is, is happening, and it's going to be frustrating for Hurricane fans because it, it's not going to get easier. Like you said, we're going into ACC play. North Carolina can't stop anybody, but we can't score. So <laughs> it, it, the expectation is can't even be that Miami's going to come out and score 60 points against North Carolina. And, and the fact is that they can score points on us. So unfortunately, unfortunately, it, it's uh, Miami's in a – you know, in a bad spot right now. and But I think everybody has to be hopeful for the future of, of what's going to happen. You got to hope that they finish strong in 2023. Talking to Reuben Bain, he said that wasn't something that is going to affect his decision uh, making in, in his recruitment. Uh, Jeremiah Smith, talk, I talked to him after the Texas A&M game. He sees the failures of the receiving group Uh, as an opportunity for early playing time, something that's important for him. Same thing with Josiah Trader. All these kids, they know that the coaching staff isn't the problem right now. A lot of these kids realize that the players in the program really aren't what they were cracked up to be. None of these kids in this 2023, 2024, and 2025 classes see these kids as threats to to, to their potential playing time. And I think that's another problem in itself is that you see high school kids – think that they can come in and take spots of kids that are, are big time players and, or we're were supposed to be big time players. So it's going to be a process. It's going to be a process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I totally a hundred percent agree with you. I I think um, this coaching staff is coaching as if they have their own recruits playing this game and they're playing a very, uh you know, pro style offense, as it they have the pro style players that that are, are suited to execute these type of plays. To be honest, this type of offense, particularly, would be more suited in a Rhett Lashley type of offense because it, it's really just um, it, it's not really uh, the Red Lashley offense is not predicated on strength or imposing your will at, 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 the, at the line of scrimmage. It's more so about getting kids in space and just letting them try to make plays. And I think that offense is actually bet, a better offense for Miami right now with these players. Once you get your guys in there and they start to develop into college, co- uh, collegiate level type of bodies in about two years, then you could probably be successful in this type of offense. But this offense here is just it's not it's just not working for these type of players. And Miami's gonna struggle like this in games for the next two years. Um definitely for when I mean two years, I mean this year and, and next year. I think we start to see things turn around in year three, to be honest. I think that's when we will be a legitimate. Uh, conference, uh, you know, uh, uh, title contender and maybe national championship contender by that point. Uh, Year three, I think, is when it really happens. But, of course, that also all depends on the recruiting classes. And if they hold up, If we've seen on social media, uh, they seem like uh, they are going to, you know, hold together. And, you know, from the recruits that we've you know, spoke to, uh, it seems like they are looking to make a difference for the Hurricanes going forward. Tyler Williams was a player that visited this weekend, and hopefully he has that mentality uh, of, okay, well, I can make a difference for, for Miami. Right now it's, it's still a two-team race with, with Georgia. He's set to announce this week. Uh, we'll we'll see where he goes. Obviously, the fact that he chose to visit Miami this week uh, before his uh, commitment goes well for Miami uh, instead of going to Georgia. Uh, it's, it's his second time in Miami uh, in Miami for the past month, so all signs point toward him maybe choosing the Hurricanes. Except for the fact that Miami just laid an egg on the day that he has his official visit. So hopefully these new players coming into the program really have that mentality of, I can make a difference for this program, or I can start right away because I think Jeremiah Smith, just by Trader and Tom Williams start right away. <laughs> you know, um, you know. I think Xavier Restrepo and maybe Jacoby George are probably the whole players that that would stop those of players and and um you know make Robbie and, and Ray Ray from starting because these these players that are on the team they're not it you know they're, they're just they're not it right now and and that game against Middle Middle Tennessee State was evidence of that that they're not it they're not there the U's not back the U is. Not even back to work. At, at right now, uh, they are still figuring it out. The U is still the U of the last ten years, basically, where you don't know what you're going to get on every given Saturday. Uh, you don't see a, a team out there dominating. You're surprised if you go out and there and, and dominate a uh, 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 supposed to be a lesser opponent. In Middle Middle Tennessee State, I mean, back in the in the eighties and nineties, it was just a party to go to these type of games because you would see Miami just dominate in every aspect of the game, and it was a party from tailgating to the game to afterwards. Now there's a party before they're still out there tailgating, and they're excited for the first few minutes, but then these Fans, players, and coaches, and alumni, leave these games feeling like what happened? What? Why are Why are we not Miami? Why are we not back yet? Um, I mean, we're on. I don't know how many coaches we're on since the last championship. I could count them down. We got Shannon Golden, Rick, DS. So we're on our fifth in Cristobal since Larry Coker um, was 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 the coach here. So we're still trying to figure it out after 20 years of how to get the U back, and it starts. I think I still think Miami is is on the right track to turn it around but it's going to take a while, Frank. It's going to take a while based on what we've seen. Uh, it's going to take a long time for uh, the the mentality to completely shift in this program and for, for them to get ch- to championship level caliber. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And um, in recruiting, it's
1: you just hope that this doesn't completely crater uh, so much, you know, the momentum that they had going into the, you know, last part of this 2023 cycle, I put in the message boards that Samson Oak and lola was basically a lock to Miami. I hope that this loss doesn't change that, because the conversations were were there to where Ohio State really wasn't going to be a factor uh, going forward. It, it, it was it was Miami uh, tunnel vision pretty much all the way down. I think that can't be the pay that that can't be the play currently for Okunlola. He's got to keep his options open because he's potentially the number one offensive tackle in the country, and you're not seeing the results in the field right now. And if you were, if I was Samson Okunlola, you could you blame him for, for going to Ohio State or considering Ohio State after that performance? You he can't. He's got no South Florida ties. His brother plays at Pitt. There's no real connection to Miami other than the fact that Ball and Mirabal are supposed to be two of the best offensive line developers in the country. So you hope that a kid like that ends up in the class that, that having a Maui go and, and a Samson Okanlola would be huge for this Gattis type offense talking about the strength and in, in the trenches uh, that is going to be needed for this, you know, scheme to be successful. And then obviously kids like Tyler Williams and you know, even Brandon Innes and Mark Fletcher, uh, it's it's tough for guys like that to look on and see a loss to middle Tennessee State. Because you're not seeing Ohio State do that. You're not seeing out the Alabamas of the world do that, right? Ruben Bain, can you blame Ruben Bain for exploring his options? Right? He's got Alabama going after him. Alabama's not losing to Middle Tennessee State. So it's you just hope that the coaches that are recruiting are still able to keep the momentum going. Uh, we can spin this in a way that it, early playing time is completely attainable for these kids because these kids want to get on the field early. They want to be part of a winning program, but they want to get on the field early. And if you give these kids an opportunity to play early, then you got a chance. And I would love to see more of like a Nigel e. Kelly. I'd love to see more of Wesley Besant. I'd love to see more of Horton. Uh, you know, I, If Travante Citizen was there, we'd love to see a, a Travante Citizen. It's you got to see some of these young guys start rolling in because at two and two going into ACC play, they're not going to reach the expectations of double digit wins this year. It's not happening. You're not beating Clemson, who has completely revitalized themselves and now looks like Clemson of old in a, in a in a few ways. Like they were able to 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 score points and grab a win against a ranked opponent in Wake Forest, that is a pretty good team. So. I am. Uh, I'm just hopeful that things change. I was telling. Uh, I was telling a buddy yesterday that we thought we had the the baddest girl in the room, and then when our girl left the room, our buddies told told us that she's really not all that. <laughs> and, uh, and but you know we got hope that she's gonna get a facelift soon, but she's got it on a payment plan, and and she don't have the yeah. facelift yet. So we kind of just hope for the future of the facelift and uh it kinda and be patient. Uh so that, that's kind of you know my testament to what the Miami Hurricanes program is right now. We she's Miami Miami is the is the girl we thought was bad, and now we're hoping on a facelift. That's
0: really, <laughs> what, it is. That's really what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personality goes a long way though. <laughs> but, but we'll, we'll we'll see man and um yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with this team going to acc play it's going to be very 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 interesting going forward but uh that's going to wrap it up though for for the storm tracker podcast and uh we'll catch you on next